you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League podcast starts now. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. How are you? Mark Sessler back in the house after his staycation. As a, a term that he coined himself. Well, it, no, it was it's, uh, it was a classic post economic collapse, stay at home mm. holiday. Plus two children, post two children collapse or whatever you call it going on in your house. <laughs> I'm just saying. I feel like I did. Who see, wants to travel with children? Well, I saw all of you uh, at least once or multiple times during the break, so I didn't really feel like I was away per se. No, and you were you did have a cameo on the podcast last week. But now you're back locked in, back part of the machine, no escaping. You're a part of the cogs of the great National Football League. Welcome back, and you buddy. And you came for the right week because this pre-July 4th week, we're going to be breaking out two shows while most everyone is doing nothing. And that's all. Because we don't have actually any news to talk about. <laughs> we have some news it's, to talk it's about. It's almost like being in the heat of a playoff race. Right now. It's, there's a parallel. <laughs> yeah. A distinct came parallel. for the right week. <laughs> uh, we got a great show today coming up. We are going to get into our Making the Leap series, Get Excited Society. We're into the top ten. Pause for effect. That's a beat. That's a beat. We're top ten. I'm gonna, I won't even tell you who the names are, but just realize that it's going to get real exciting to AFC players. Uh, we're also going to uh, get into a little discussion about uh, 90s week uh, this past week at the NFL Network. I wrote a piece that went up last Friday, and now since we're all together again, we'll talk about the 90s a little bit and uh, some memories of the era and and also uh, some some takeaways as two different generations here. Uh, Greg and I much younger than Wes and Mark. <laughs> Not so accurate. Coming at it's true. from two different angles. Well, uh, this is where our age differences shows up quite a bit. 
Well, that's right. I mean, Wes and I will get into it, but you're right. We have a different viewpoint of that decade. I was slogging a six-pack of tall boys home from the post office every day while you guys were, like, going to your eighth-grade dance. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but before any of that, we want to check in with our producer, who is also back. Uh, from some type, I don't know if it was a vacation or he had some personal matters to attend to. We don't dig in like that, but he's back with us. His name is TD. He's our producer. What's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? I myself was in a staycation. Oh, another staycation. It was like staycation. a World Cup break. Yeah. You guys know how to party. Just how many different ways could I watch the World Cup? Massaging table? Check. You know? Buffet table? <laughs> massage check. Table. Wait, mas- wait, what? <laughs> well, you know, a little staycation. I'm going to get a little massage. You know, uh, the body needed And they had the World the Cup on needed- there? No, I had my uh, I had my iPhone in between the little, little peephole. Is so this heads down, getting a you, massage. Are and, you a metrosexual, TD? <laughs> well, it's been uh, it's been a rough couple of months. You know, I've been working out a lot lately, so I just needed to <laughs> look and swole. You know, is this one of those massage parlors where you have to go in through the alley entrance? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit dark, but I made it in. But you know, it's good to see TD in good spirits because, after all, uh, his great soccer team, Nigeria, fell on Monday in the World Cup. It is over. Sorry, buddy. That was tough. But you know, uh, the last time we made it this far it was in '98. I was 11, so uh-huh. at least I can cherish this and know that it might be another 16 years before it comes along again. The Fighting North Stars, right? Is their name? No, not at all. It's Super Eagles. No, Super. Who put up? I'm joking. Who put up a better fight? Kind of like that. Who put up a better fight? Nigeria today. Or the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Oh, Nigeria today, definitely. There's a point in the game <laughs> we definitely should have won. Man. We should at least scored a couple goals. But, you know, we actually did score a goal that was disallowed. But let's move on, guys. All let's right, move we'll on. move on. You're a good sport to be here and be in good spirits. So why don't we, uh, TD, do some news? Let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Wait a minute. Wow. Now, now I am. I will now defer over to Mark Sessler. I am not a Star Wars nerd. I'm assuming that's from Star Wars. Fill, fill us in, Mark. I have never heard of that in my life. <laughs> I don't, don't know. I expect neither any of you to get it. That just what sounds like brass Star tacks. Fox? That is the fiction. great Optimus Prime. And, oh, uh, I did that because the Transformers movie came out last week, which, by the way, is a terrible movie. I would not recommend it. However, shocking, Optimus <laughs> Prime is one of the greatest leaders in uh, that ever walked walk this earth. So shout well, out to Optimus. I don't think Optimus Prime ever walked this earth. <laughs> I don't think there will be a sequel to this Transformers inclusion. I think he walked another made-up planet. One of my great achievements in my life is that I've never seen a Transformers Michael Bay movie, and never has it ever crossed my mind to watch one. Of it's course, not like I've ever either. felt like I was missing out on. You know why? Because you're an adult. Right. Uh, I bet none of us. Oh, boy. Thanks. Wes has got the daggers out. Let's say this. It's Bay does everything to screw it up, which he does. However, I mean, you can't, if you're a fan of Transformers, you're a fan of Transformers, and you got to watch it. Or you're 12. I was a fan of Transformers when I was nine. (laughs) By the way, I was Team He-Man. I never even got into the cartoon back in the day. But anyway, so you were going to do some news now. Let's do it. All right, we start with Wes. I'm not sure your feelings on Andy Dalton. We haven't talked about it a lot on the podcast, but I want to let you know some information right now from Hugh Jackson, the Bengals' new offensive coordinator who told Sirius XM NFL Radio last week that the quarterback-receiver duo of Andy Dalton and A.J. Green is the best in the NFL. Here's the quote. I think they're the best in the game, in my opinion. I know people will fight that and say differently, but I've watched these guys and those guys have grown. They came in together. They started off hot. They're still hot. Every year, statistically, they've gotten better. Wes. Hugh Jackson 
you know, I wish fi- you weren't a liar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A fine offensive coordinator, but we've come to realize maybe talent evaluation isn't his thing. What happened the last time he felt this strongly about a quarterback? He mortgaged the future of the Oakland Raiders. A Bengals team with no leverage Carson whatsoever, Palmer. with Carson Palmer sitting on his couch, got a first and a second round draft pick for like the one month when Hugh Jackson was allowed to make transactions for the Raiders. Yeah, but no one thinks he believes this. Right. Bucky Brooks was in our studio talking about Hugh Jackson's style, how he likes to pump up the guys and he likes to kind of get them going. That's why he said Marvin Jones, for instance, could knock A.J. Green off its perch. Maybe Marvin Jones and Andy Dalton will be the top quarterback-wide receiver combo. In the well, league. and also all we've heard is that what they're going to do with Dalton to make him less of a disaster in certain sequences is reduce pass attempts. If you have the best quarterback-wide receiver tandem, why would you do that? <laughs> It's a little quirk of mine, I guess, that I don't really like when people say things they don't believe. <laughs> I guess that makes me a little weird. I don't know. I'm just saying he's trying to fire up Andy Dalton. I, if he really believed this, I, that would be a problem. He could name ten combinations better than that, especially if you allow tight ends into the mix. He might. That might not even be the best combination on the Bengals. Oh, about, boy. Here we about, go. How about the Mohamed Sanu-AJ Green combination? When <laughs> I thought you were going Jason Campbell-Sanu. <laughs> oh, yeah. AJ McCarron. I thought you were about to go crazy with the making of the leap and throw out AJ Green for Marvin Jones. Yeah, baby. Like, that's yeah, there's many combos you could throw in there. <laughs> um, hey, let's talk about the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation, but it will have nothing to do with Johnny Manziel. Well, it will, but on some level, it's about someone else. It's Brian Hoyt. NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported Monday that the Browns have staged preliminary talks with Brian Hoyer's camp about a contract extension. Rappaport spoke with Joe Linta, Hoyer's agent, who confirmed that while discussions have taken place, it will, quote, be a very difficult deal to do. We're always open to talking with the Browns, but we're content to wait and see what happens down the road. Gentlemen. If I'm Brian Hoyer's agent, I'd take... Any multi-year contract they're offering, if it's good backup money. Yeah, I mean, people talked about Linta being Flacco's bet-on-myself agent, but this isn't Joe mm. Flacco, uh, who's coming off multiple playoff Browns fans will tell you otherwise, though. I, don't, I, think that's, I think that a lot of Browns fans are seeing Hoyer through rose-colored glasses because any guy that won two games in a row for that team is going to be viewed <laughs> differently than with a the disaster they've emerged from, but... I agree with Greg. If you're Hoyer, you can get a multi-year deal right now. A year ago, he never saw that coming. Do people really think that this report means that Manziel might not be the quarterback of the future? No. No. I don't even think anyone would be saying that. I hope not. I would assume if he did sign a long-term contract, it'll be for solid backup money, maybe $3, $4 million a year. No, not even that much. With some sort of incentives where if if you do start 12 games, then you can get a whole boatload of money or they revisit it or something like that. I mean, they just handed Henny – Eight million over two years, yeah, and they gave not? Castle what ten over two years. Yeah. Those are bridge quarterback numbers. I think they see Brian Hoyer, Hoyer that way. Started four games in his entire career. Well, isn't he the definition of a bridge quarterback at no, least right he's now? He's the definition of a guy who bounced around the league and is lucky to be on a roster. That's why he should take that money. Uh, I should be an agent. I've got the last name. <laughs> I'm sure that's as complex <laughs> as it <Come> gets. <laughs> Next time you see Mike Tannenbaum, ask him for some All pointers. Right. He, we both went to Tulane, so. Tulane, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> I don't know. Mike Tannenbaum, Tulane. <laughs> Do it, buddy. Uh, hey, Randy Moss news. Not really news, but let's talk about Randy Moss because it's fun to talk about Randy Moss. The Charlotte Observer reports that 
the former wide receiver, is now the associate head coach at Victory Christian Center School, a small private school in Charlotte that his son, Thaddeus, now attends. Uh, Moss, a famous a famous wide receiver, not always known as maybe the, the greatest uh, role model or teammate, but now he's going to be teach, teaching young children. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> I love straight cash, homie. That is like the condensed version of Don Allmeyer's great advice to a young Tony Kornheiser. The answer to all of your questions in sports is money. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> Plus, if you watch the video, is just as good as the quote. I mean, the guy oh, yeah. coming up to him in the parking lot. I mean, I love Randy Moss. Think how great it would be to be a high school. This is a small private school. Imagine you're the fifth receiver on that team. Like, he's probably not much of an athlete, and he's getting coached by Randy Moss. Little nugget buried in this story. Randy Moss's 15-year-old son, Thaddeus, 6'4", 240. <laughs> wow. Wow, well, hello. Yeah. 240 at 15 end. years old. I think he's going to be a sophomore or, yeah. or a junior. He's better at basketball. 6'4", 240. That's, that's that, Charles Barkley. That's Ladarius Green. <laughs> Uh, I'm just curious, not to get too uh, sidetracked, but at the peak of his powers, was Randy Moss better than any wide receiver in the last 20 years? Yes. I, I'd, I would say yes also. I think the only other option is Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Unless you are a huge T.O. fan. No, nah, I would say Moss at his – I'd take Moss at his peak, but Calvin Johnson's NFL close. Network re-aired that Falcons-Vikings NFC championship game from 98 over the weekend. Moss is just used all over the place. He was their only answer, and they went at him over and over. I mean, when Calvin Johnson has a year like Moss did in 2007, then we'll talk. This was actually past Moss's prime, but by far the most disrespectful football play I've ever seen was Moss against Rivas mm. when he hit the put the hand no, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. got him, put oh, the yeah. hand up, and he never touched the ball with the second hand when he caught it. He caught it with one hand, never touched it with yeah. the second hand. Totally disrespect. Was, he was a freak. I mean, he was an amazing player. The original freak. All right, let's talk some Jay Cutler, the Chicago Bears quarterback. Obviously made some strides last season under Mark Tressman. Uh, his season was compromised by an injury, but the Bears are looking for even more from the quarterback this season. Of course, he has a new extension. Bears quarterback coach Matt Cavanaugh said Cutler continued his upward uh, personal trajectory during the team's offseason program. I've seen incredible progress. When he got in here last year and, and we evaluated him, we had a good, real good conversation with him about certain things that every quarterback should do. We said, Jay, it might not be natural, but we want you to try it, and he did it. Uh, going on, every little fundamental we've talked to him about, he's embraced, and it's like night and day. I feel like this is kind of the same thing we talk about every summer. Is this the year that Jay Cutler becomes the guy that he's been getting paid to be for 10 years. Kavanaugh has uh, the same tendency as Hugh Jackson to blow, blow sunshine. This is a better <laughs> quote. This is last offseason. Called Jay Cutler borderline football brilliant. <laughs> and then watched him be outplayed by his backup. Oh, come That's on. That's so unfair. Come on. He what do you mean it's unfair? Because you yourself were calling him an MVP candidate in October. He I don't think you called him well. an MVP candidate. You he were saying play, that he, he was, was playing his... as well as he's ever played. Right. That does not equate to MVP candidate. That means Jay Cutler's always been a disappointment and a tease. If there is one team <laughs> right now, though, in terms of a coaching staff, along with the 49ers, I would trust the Bears improving some of the stuff we've seen from Cutler. But you're right. We've never seen it for a full season from him. I, he's I, set up to have an awesome season. He's right. f- totally set up. We believe in everything about that situation. I don't personally believe that Jay Cutler is not a tease. I, I looked at these quotes, and I started thinking about 
a rant I made on this podcast about a month ago, how it's kind of setting up for Carson Palmer's big last chance, if he's ever going to do it. And I don't think this is Jay Cutler's big last chance, but I do think if Jay Cutler is ever going to have an MVP type of season, now's the time. I mean, Marshall and Jeffrey are in their primes. Cutler is 31. The offensive line has been together. If there's ever a time for a breakout year, this is it. Here we go. You ready? And I'm going to file this away for personal reasons. For I would not do what you're about to potential do. Potential think- team God. of ATL reasons. I'm going to okay. throw it around the room. Mark, please don't talk over me when I'm in thought. <laughs> Over-under game, Jay Cutler. Oh. Can we just say over-under what you predicted for Brandon Whedon last year? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm the only one that's ever gotten a wrong prediction in this group. All right, over-under. I'll start with the smartest guy in the room, Chris Wessling, 4,000 yards. Over. I'm not convinced he plays 16 games because he never plays 16 games. But if we're saying 16 games, he'll go definitely go over 4,000 yards. Yeah, over. Oh, but we have to assume 16. No, so you over. Don't. I'll go over. You can predict a. So he's going to stay healthy this you year. You can get a Sessler and predict an injury. Over. 28 touchdowns. Over. Over. Under. Passer rating of 93. Under. I'd go under. I don't really pay. Attention to quarterback ratings. Anyway. I don't That's think good. he's I ever. Know. But I, the, the question was asked. It's, it, the, the rating, no. whether or not you pay attention to well, it. Will so still I don't know exist. what's that great or not. It's I'll stupid. go under. I'll go under. All he right, throws too many interceptions. Sounds like he's going to have a pretty good year, though, based on the over-under game. Just There's now. no excuse for him not, not to have a good year. West knows that Cutler, I would say more than any quarterback in the NFL, has been my favorite to watch since about the moment he's come That's in. True. So I've been waiting for this year. All right, I've it's recorded coming. the answers, and it's uh, I filed it away. Jay Cutler apologist. Whatever. Uh, before we move on, Mark, I wanted to, to get your thoughts on it uh, because I know you had some really strong thoughts about The View a few weeks back. <laughs> a big-time mass firing. <laughs> Everyone on the show fired uh, in terms of the on-camera talent except for your girl, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, that means Jenny McCarthy, who we spoke about on the show, is history. Sherry Shepard, gone. Uh, what are we going to do? There's even talk of a man being in the mix as a replacement, Mark Sessler. Well, I mean, if we're into quality television, this was a no-brainer, right? <laughs> if, you're a, if you're, whether you're a male or female who watches the show and you're a thinking person, this was an easy choice. They've done the right thing. Obviously, let's, let's not undersell our own show. Our voice was listened to. At least it must have been part of some conversation. Ooh, I like that. The view which has rotated cast here and there has never dug this deep. They heard the uh, level of, I guess, disinterest in in the appalling cast they had put together. They said, we are starting over. I'm fine with keeping Goldberg, but they've done everything else correctly. And you you especially think that – Jenny McCarthy was kind of a, a post-human and not someone that deserved to be on isn't that show. She, hasn't she been disseminating false information? About vaccines and such, yes. Well, th- if that's happening, and I'm not watching every episode, <laughs> but if she is giving us false information about medical items, then she's probably not fit I, to be you know, on television. I like the faith that Mark has in all the Views producers. <laughs> like, If they replace the cast with just some better, better talent, I'm sure they'll put it together and it'll be a great hour of programming. One note, the, one, of, one of the head producers is actually in the midst of trying to renegotiate his contract from what I've read, so no one's safe. <laughs> wow. They're rethinking the whole show. And one name that's being bandied about, and as I said, there's potential uh, male involved here, Jesse Palmer. Jesse, yeah, get, your, get your life together. Come on, buddy. Do you really want to be the male on The View? 
No, you do not. But, but if, he's already crossed that threshold, right? Yeah, I was going to say, if you were trying to guess who the male on The View would be, wouldn't Jesse Palmer make oh, your yeah. top five I list? think he'd be the favorite. <laughs> Where's Tiki Barber is my question. Probably not far behind. All right, let's talk about good good insight, Mark. That was ex- exactly <laughs> when I first read it last week. I said, i got to get this to Mark. i got to hear what he has to say, and I feel enlightened. The Making the Leap series continues. Uh, Mark Sessler back in the mix, and he's all over the place right now. He has the number 10 entry, Browns linebacker Jabal Sheard. Mark, you see big things from Jabal. You thought he came along nicely during last season. I loved your post, and now I want you to tell the people about it. I think this is the first making the leap that I've worked on in two seasons where the response I got from most people online was, who? Hmm. They never heard of this guy. But he is sort of, A, he played in Cleveland for some defenses that I think as a whole is an, is an improving group. But I like his smarts because he started as a 4-3 defensive end, and the second year they come in and they change everything up and they make him a 3-4, and now he's going back to play sort of a hybrid and outside linebacker. I can't stress how hard it is if you're a young defensive player to have your third defensive coordinator in your young career. And in each situation he's produced, uh, he's put up pass rushing numbers. I think what I love to see him is used. His, he's faster than I thought he was on tape. That's what stood out to me. And it's not me that thinks he's going to make that leap necessarily. It's Petten who mentioned if they could say one guy on your defense that fits the mold to kind of be your breakout guy he did not hesitate to say Jabal Sheard is that guy. That's his bitch kitty. That's And we read that book, and he talked about your bitch kitty is a pass rusher who you just unleash on your court. Can we say bitch court. kitty? I think bitch so. Bitch kitty? I think you can say bitch kitty. Do you want the definition? Read it out there. This comes from Nicholas Dawadoff's uh, Collision Low Crossers. <laughs> this guy, he needs to be paying wow. us, I'm <laughs> telling you. Petten coined the frame, I believe. Bitch kitty pass yeah, rusher. Did. Is a pass rusher with an insatiable, unblockable, pocket-infiltrating force of war daddy bedlam. <laughs> wow. Great. Is Jabal Sheard that guy? You know, initially we were going to do the post with Sheard and Barkevius Mingo. And I am just more sold on Sheard at this point because of his versatility that no matter what he's been through in Cleveland, he continues to produce. I like Mingo from other angles, but Sheard is a more solid candidate. What's the biggest obstacle you think that he's facing? I think for him, it's just another scheme switch. You know, it's worked so far, but maybe this is the one where he can't quite find his spot. But it, but it seems to me that there's no real physical obstacle for him. Uh, he's not the fastest guy in the field, but watching his tape, he finds a way inside and out to get to the quarterback. He never gets the hype. I mean, they bring in Paul Kruger, pay him a lot of money. They draft Mingo in the first round. I'm trying to think of who he was with early in his career. He's never been the guy, and yet he's always been the guy who's been the most productive. Out of anybody in the front seven, though, I think he fits the Mike Pettin kind of player the most. He's got a relentless motor. He's on he's on the NFL's Rasputin list with Wayne Fonts and Rex Ryan. You can't get rid of him. He's been mentioned in Cleveland as a guy they should trade because they signed Kruger, drafted Mingo, and he ends up being better than both of those guys. Well, they were they were definitely considering trading him a summer ago because oh he doesn't fit in a three four he fit in a four three and he, you're right he continues just to prove I'll find a role I'll flourish somehow. Moving on, let's go to number nine. Greg Rosenthal wrote about a player that's come up, I feel like, a little bit in the last couple of weeks on this podcast, Chargers tight end Ladarius Green. 
who obviously has Antonio Gates still in town, but it might be a situation where he could end up becoming the man at that position for the San Diego Chargers. And Greg Rosenthal, and he speaks for all of us, believes it happens in 2014. Greg. I don't know where to start. I have so much to say on Ladarius Green. What a weird mix of talent this guy has. He was asked to block 62% of the time he was on the field, so he's barely allowed to go out on a pass route. But when he did, he went deep. Only Rob Gronkowski averaged more yards per route run out of tight ends in the league. Out of receivers that caught at least 15 pass, Green led the league in yards per reception. So he is a vertical threat, a guy who's 6'6", 240, and he moves like a wide receiver, but he can block well. He just seems like a player that almost didn't exist a generation ago. A guy built like this that's tough enough to block and yet can move like that. I mean, he's built more like Calvin Johnson than he is Antonio Gates. I guess that would be my question about him as far as breakouts go. I noticed while watching last year that basically they only used him on deep routes. So if he's going to break out, is he going to be taking more shallow routes from Antonio Gates? He's going to need more routes to run. That, that's true, and he hasn't gotten on the field, and there's probably a reason for that. When Bucky Brooks was in here, that helped support the case for me because he talked about Frank uh, Reich installing an up-tempo offense. I think that works best when you have two tight ends on the field, and then you have a big matchup problem because you don't know if they're going to stay in to block. You don't know who can cover him one-on-one, and you would think just being on the field more, he'll get more chances. One obstacle that I, I can see happening, and, and Greg, I'm wondering if you feel the same way, while it seems like Gates is on the way down, and, and we talked about it on the last podcast, his numbers dipped significantly in the second half last season, but is it possible Green ends up getting hurt by the respect that Gates has garnered within that organization over the last seven or eight years, and they're a little stubborn to kind of hand the torch over? Well, I think that's why he didn't get enough playing time last year, but I think from everything the coaches are saying and the direction of the offense, they understand that he was underutilized last year. He had fewer snaps last year than guys like Lee Smith. Do you guys even know what team Lee Smith is on? Not the old baseball closer. Underrated closer. He played for the Bills at one point. He was on the Bills. Craig Stevens. I mean, he was barely on the field. He has a big play, you might remember, a 60-yard touchdown against the Kansas City Chiefs where he ran through their secondary, outran Brandon Flowers, outran Sean Smith. Before that play... You want to make flowers? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Got it back at the show. Drop. Before that play, he was only on the field 30% of the time. After that game, he was on 60% of the time the last five games. So it's almost like Wizenhunt is sitting there on the sidelines watching it and be like, oh, yeah, maybe I well, should play I think play we were in game. Orlando. Maybe the when... fantasy football dorks are right. Yeah. I think it was Mike McCoy <laughs> who said at the owners' meeting that he acknowledged he was kind of slow on the draw to realize what he could do, and he's going to play him more now. Well, he's a unique player because he has wide receiver skills. He's jumping up. He's tapping his uh, feet on the sidelines. He didn't get a lot of separation necessarily, but he has the right quarterback who's just willing to throw him the ball. Half his catches were in very tough spots, and he made tough grabs. Over under time, 55 receptions. Wes? Under. I might go under for that. I'm going to go over just to be different. I like your style. 800 yards receiving. Under. I'll definitely go over with that. I'm, I'm going big plays. Come on, he's got to make the leap, right? Yeah, if he's not doing any of these things and he's <laughs> not making the jump we're talking about, so over. Touchdown, six. 
Under. Over. Love him in the red zone. Check out that highlight in the in the article where he has the Bengals uh, cornerback one-on-one in the playoff game just jumps for it. I I'm just going to continue to side with my angels. boss here. <laughs> I like them both. Get excited. Ladarius. How is he only number nine? Well, it doesn't sound like Wes thinks he's going to make the leap. So. You guys, see, I've done some research on tight ends. You guys think that like 1,000 no. yards is, co- is common. 800 yards would put you in the top five probably among tight ends yeah, last year. I love him, and I said in the post, 850 yards and seven touchdowns. Is, I'm not is a saying good that's impossible. I'm saying it's unlikely. I am going 801 yards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone? Classic Sessler. Noted. All right, as uh, we talked about earlier this past week on NFL Network was 90s week. I wrote a piece on the Around the League website, which you can find at nfl.com slash ATL. That's how you do it. I'm part of the future now. Uh, no more backslash. So you can check that out. It is now best of the aughts week, which, uh, you know, that's what's going on now. But we're going to stick with the 90s since we're all back together and uh, talk about one of the more interesting, uh, endearingly goofy type times for the NFL. Uh, Chris Wessling is a man of history. Your thoughts on the decade? I like endearingly goofy. Let's, let's set this up. In the late 60s and 70s, the NFL overtakes baseball as America's best sport most love sport but kind of took a step back in the 80s with a lot of upheaval you had usfl and al davis lawsuits teams were being uprooted and moved uh work stoppage multiple work stoppages and it took a step back there was some concern that the nfl might no longer be the giant and then the 90s it just becomes a juggernaut with 32 teams you've got that kind of balance um, and then, really, the most important thing, fantasy football starts in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And that really takes the momentum across the country and now across the world. So I think the 90s, you could argue, are the most important decade for the NFL. And I don't want to give too much credit to the to the Cowboys because I know there's a lot of people that don't love the Cowboys. But I think it helped them also that there was a Cowboys dynasty at the beginning of the decade, which a lot of people could get behind. Um, so I was thinking maybe we could go around the room and share a 90s thought before we get out of here today. I'll, I'll start with mine. I, I have it in the, the piece I wrote. Um, one of my favorite things back before DirecTV and the Internet and NFL Network, ESPN's NFL Primetime was like the real show, the only show to go on Sunday nights, at, I think at 7, to watch highlights and all that. The thing that sticks with me so much is the music that accompanied those highlights. It was really the best part. So we're going to have DJ TD behind the glass right now, not behind the glass. Uh, maybe a top five. I did a power rankings in my post uh, of my five favorite primetime songs, and I did go through all ten of them. Uh, these are my five favorites. So here's the first one by TD. Um, I called this one Blackbeard's Delight. Let's bring back any memories, guys? Yes. Oh, like, yeah. Keep it going. I want the, the synth to come in. Yeah, right there. All right, here's number four. <laughs> Counting down, this is, uh, I call this one Phil Collins' Lament. TD. <laughs> Oh, wow. Can't you picture like I Phil like Collins? I feel like this is number one right this here. This should be yeah. like an intro to a Miami Vice episode. This is, yeah, this is basically like uh, you say signature. this should be number one. This is the signature But it's one. like saying what's the top five Beatles songs because they're mm. all so good. That's fair. All right, number three. I call this one. What do I call this one? Oh, great. Elway's driving. Oh, this one made me nervous <laughs> all the time. That's why. Elway's driving. No, can you just pick? Yeah, he's like, oh. and then Berman is Berman at his apex. Is like, and here comes John. Oh, the guns are coming down the field. 
Very depressing. <laughs> this one I call the nobleman's call. Mm. Hear that horn? Oh, yeah. That's a call out to all the noblemen. <laughs> this is like greatest hits. Listen to this. This makes me nervous. Dance hip movements are making me nervous right now. <laughs> is that a pelvic thrust? That, listen, it's a minor pelvic th- thrust. All right. Wouldn't it be funny to play football to that music? It would be actually a lot of fun. Be <laughs> And now, number one, my choice for number one, Greg obviously disagrees, but he hasn't heard it yet. This one I call Urgency Express. <sighs> Just picture it. Mark, you're 30 years old. Prime of your life. <laughs> Was not prime 30 time. years old at that point, by <laughs> the way. You paint a pretty picture. <laughs> I don't know. With these pelvic thrusts and then the Urgency Express name here. I don't know about that. <laughs> do you, can be, Greg, do you think Urgency Express cannot beat Phil Collins' Lament? I, I love Phil Collins' Lament. Number four, sign me up. That's my pick. <laughs> All right, so that, yeah, that, those, that's like when I think of 90s football, I think of that music. So that's my memory. I used to miss like hanging out with my grandparents in order to watch NFL primetime. I think oh, they yeah. started to not like me anymore because I would run upstairs. In, yeah, that's in that. the reason. <laughs> um, okay, so now, gentlemen, I want you all to put on your Zubas. I want you to pull over your starter jacket, take out whatever's in that pouch, and we'll go around the table and share me some 90s moments. We'll start with the Sizzler, Mark Sessler. I think for me, what I remember about being, you know, the 90s began, I was very early in high school. You guys were, Greg and Dan, both about seven or eight years old. <laughs> but Wes and I are the same age, and, and, and That's 40, Tecmo Super Bowl hit like a bomb right when I was yes. at that point in high school where I had no car, no way to get anywhere. Every girl I liked was dating someone from an upper grade because she was mobile and can move around. I'm like, I got nothing but Tecmo <laughs> Super Mobile Bowl. like QB12. She was a bipedal woman. She could date other men. There's nothing else in my life. And my brother Eric Sessler and I would sit and play Tecmo from Friday night through Sunday morning until the games came on. And we created these massive poster boards. Giant double elimination tournaments where 32 teams would be fed into like a second grid. It would go on for months. And it, it brought me great joy because we'd write about each game and we would talk about it all day long. And my parents thought we were crazy. They might have been right. But Tecmo had a huge <laughs> impact on it me. It speaks to the popularity of Tecmo that on the old ATL Debate Club we once had on. Do you remember the gentleman's name? You do. <laughs> Neither do I, Stu. <laughs> but uh, NFL Films had a great documentary they released, I guess, about two years ago now about uh, – grown men of the modern era that are still playing Tecmo Bowl and they traveled for tournaments to play against each other. And we had a, we had a guy on the show named Merv Mort. 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 It was Mort. It was we Mort. had Mort yeah. on the show and Mort was <laughs> a, a delight. Mort was a delight. And so, yeah, Super, Tecmo Super Bowl was special. I remember a tournament in a friend's basement right around the early 90s where we took turns I had a partner, so you would be offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator of a tech of a super technical. <laughs> Any team. girlfriends in the mix at that time? Yes or no? I was like fifteen. I definitely no. I'm still no. throwing rocks at girls. It's not like it's the a thing, old to be throwing rocks. The thing that I don't think like people listening to this that didn't grow up during that wouldn't understand is it's not like there were other options. There weren't some people that played that game, or there weren't friends that you knew that didn't play Tecmo Super Bowl. It was like well, and it was, everyone. And right. it was one of the few games that had 
32 NFL teams with NFL 30 players. At the time. There were definitely stats. people we knew who did not play Super Tech Mobile, but they were not friends. Right, and there, <laughs> and there was no competition. Like uh, John Elway's quarterback was uh, another NES game at the time. It was garbage. Bad job by you, Johnny Elway. I remember it. But Super Bowl was the king. It kept stats. It was the first game where you could keep stats and as a as a jet fan it was a bummer because they were, it was a bad team i think o'brien was still there and rob moore was the number one receiver so i always played with the niners uh just to have some more fun but super bowl greg uh i'm gonna go to something that changed my life and changed the lives of so many fans that now we take it for granted nfl sunday ticket when you Oofa. could first Get the ability, and for me this was early in college, to hook up a little direct TV and you're not at home and you can still watch your hometown team. I mean it blew my mind to even go to a bar and watch the Patriots or whatever. But once you could dial that into your apartment, I mean it was a game changer for fans. I think it's been you know, one of the reasons that the sports exploded so much. I agree. You think about what it was like before that. If you were somebody that had to move for business – or you know, weren't in, your favorite team was not in the city that had the two or three games that NBC or uh, or CBS aired or Fox. Uh, you were done. It was it, and you could only watch the highlights. Or somehow, maybe you had a buddy send you a tape of the game. But this that opened the doors for everything. And it was just, huge. Not just your team. It's like okay, your team played early. You weren't stuck with just the national games. If you didn't want it, you could be flipping around. And anyone that had the Sunday ticket, if if you guys had it in college or whoever, everyone was going over to that guy's house. I had to convince my dad, and I lived in the tri-state area, to take a fifty-minute trip down to Bobby v, Bobby Valentine's Sports Bar, the <laughs> place in Norwalk, because it was the only place that got Browns games. And you're right. Direct TV Sunday ticket blew the whole thing up. You could sit in your own house. Chris Wesley. Let me take you back to about 1995. I'm 20, 21 years old, <laughs> trudging through the snow in the Covington, Kentucky projects, delivering mail. Listening on your tape deck to Atlantis Morissette's first album. I like this. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bengals are in the midst of one of their four, three, and 13 seasons of the decade. Things are bleak. They've got David Klingler, Achilles Smith, one of these hapless Dave Shula is their coach. Jabronis. I fall out with the Bengals, realize there's no use following them, but fantasy football shows up. And I remember first playing about 1995, and then by 97, I'm working at a law firm, and they hired me in over a buddy of mine who was the commissioner of my league. He would go down to the basement of this big sky rise and tabulate all of our fantasy football scores using USA Today. He'd get done with that, and he'd mail them out. This is not email. This is real mail. So by Thursday, you get your stats, the standings, and you finally know how you're doing. But those were the old days. Not until, like, 98 or 99 yeah. did the Internet start getting involved. Because I even I remember in, like, 97, the same thing. We, we paid for a service to mail to some guy that clearly probably lived in his grandmother's basement, and his job was to tabulate our stats <laughs> and then mail it back to us. And that's how we found out who won at the end of the week. Uh, changed everything. And I'm just curious, Wes, because we've, we've talked about it on the show. You even brought it in. When did you decide in the 90s to begin your Bengals dossier? I think it, it, it ends up being around 1998. And Nin- what is it again for people that don't know? I had to compile a file folder filled with – there are probably two or 300 articles backing up my, my point of why I broke up with the Bengals. The heartbreak. It's hard to describe the catch-22 situation where – you are disloyal if you 
if you stopped rooting for your team, but you were an idiot if you kept if you kept supporting what was going on there. So what year did you break up with them? I think it was ninety eight because ninety seven was the <laughs> was the uh, Boomer Esiason comes in and Corey Dillon explodes his rookie year. So the second half, Boomer is like the best quarterback in the NFL, and then he decides to go into Monday Night Football the next year. And the next year is an absolute debacle. I think Neil O'Dial is quarterback. They start like 0-8. Lee Johnson says everything wrong with the franchise. And then the next day they cut Lee Johnson, who was their punter. Wait, wait. And I was like, all right, they cut him. They cut me. Are you certain that your fallout with the Bengals wasn't the absence of playing the Browns two years in a row, two years per year, when they got moved to Baltimore? It was not. It did not involve that. I'm sorry the Browns were not on my as, radar. As you'll notice, Greg, the, the older gentlemen in the podcast are becoming cynical and jaded. Well, very, the conversation goes on as, as opposed to hey, we don't happy. We don't all have the New England's Patriots dynasty in our hey, lives. They weren't a know? dynasty in the 90s. We had Rod Rust and Dick McPherson. Scott They'd be Zolak. Lucky to win four or five games. Before we move on, though, I do want to say, everyone go read this article by Dan the Man Handis. <laughs> he did That's the funny. damn thing on this thing. It's great. The Zubaz, the posters, just just go check it out on the website. NFL.com backslash. Ooh, I did it again. <laughs> NFL.com slash ATL. You can find that story and all the stories that we write. Uh, all right, gentlemen, that's it. Nice trip down memory lane there. And that's it for... Monday's edition of the Around the League podcast. We will be back on Wednesday with another action-packed show. Sessler's going to be here. The whole group will be heroes everywhere. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. This is Dan Hansen signing off for The Sizzler, The Boss, The Mailman, and The Great TD. Until Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late. Very important Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.